This afternoon, I proclaim to you the word as we confess that in Lord's Day 8 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 8 of the Catechism, page 524 in the Book of Praise. And there we confess the following. How are these articles divided? And the articles mentioned there are then the articles of the Apostles' Creed. Into three parts. First is about God the Father in our creation. The second about God the Son in our redemption. The third about God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. Since there is only one God, why do you speak of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because God has so revealed himself in his word that these three distinct persons are the one true eternal God. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to the Lord. This afternoon then we confess the Holy Trinity and when we confess that, that's, we're confessing something that actually goes way beyond our understanding. There's no way I could logically explain to you the Trinity, not even if I would use all kinds of audio visual aids or so. The how and, and what of the Trinity is a mystery to us. And that's why we confess, for instance, in Article 9 of the Belgian Confession, although this doctrine far surpasses all human understanding, nevertheless, in this life, we believe it on the ground of the Word of God. So we don't believe it because we can understand it, but we believe it because the Word of God tells us this is God, the triune God. So we confess the doctrine of the Holy Trinity from the Bible, as it says in the second answer of Lord's Day 8, because God has so revealed himself in his word that these three distinct persons are the one true and eternal God. This is how God has revealed himself to us in his word. This is how he wants to be known by us. This is how he wants to be praised and glorified by us. And that's actually amazing, for even though God is incomprehensible and awesome, He still wants to be our God. This triune God, this incomprehensible triune God, has established a relationship with us, small sinful people, has established that relationship with us in Jesus Christ, His Son. And through the Spirit, we were, we were baptized then into the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And then Father, Son, and Spirit together work for our complete redemption, salvation. And with that in mind, I preach to you God's word confessed in Lord's Day 8 with this theme, the triune God assures us of complete salvation we see that that salvation is assured, is assured by the love of God the Father in the first place, secondly, the love of God the Son, and thirdly, the love of God the Holy Spirit. So first, we pay attention to that our salvation is assured by the love of God the Father. The doctrine of the Trinity congregation can sometimes sound kind of technical and dogmatic even, 
meant for theologians, food for specialists in doctrine to kind of figure out how it all works in, in, in our confessions. It's difficult to fathom, but wonderful to believe. The most difficult things are actually the most beautiful things to believe in. Faith in this doctrine, the doctrine of the Trinity, gives wonderful assurance to those who accept it as the truth about God from his word. For if you think about this doctrine a bit, you think it through a bit, you also come to see something of the deep and perfect love of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit together. Love for us, for our complete salvation. Nothing is left out. Father, Son, and Spirit make sure that our salvation is complete and full and eternal. And in order to understand something of that, we have to go back to the beginning, actually even before the beginning. We need to go back to eternity, before time. The only one who existed back in eternity was God. And then already God existed as one God, three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are together from eternity. All three persons are eternal. There's no before or after with the three persons of God. They existed from eternity. They still exist and they will exist forever. And from eternity already, they loved each other with perfect love within the Trinity. And you see that then that God didn't really need us. He didn't need us, people. He was sufficient to himself, it said. He wasn't lonely, in other words, or something like that, that he needed people. He didn't need anyone outside of Father, Son, and Spirit to, to love or so. There was perfect love, Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet God, in his wisdom, decided to create something. God the Father made the heavens and the earth. He filled them with creatures, angels and animals. At his high point of his whole creation on the sixth day, he created man. And he made man in his image. That means he made man in such a way that he could have a very special and close relationship with the triune God. Let us make man in our image. It said, a relationship of love with the triune God. And then we can think specifically in this first part, a father-child relationship. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the question is then, are you thankful and joyful that God the Father made you his child to love you and to receive love from you? Because that's what a relationship is about. Two-way. To love and receive love. There are a lot of people today who come to the point where they say, you know, I wish I was never born. I don't know why they hate their life, but... They seem to hate their life and they figure it's too hard or too difficult or too messed up. They resent their life. The life 
God gave them and continues to give them so that he can have a relationship with them. In our country, even, there are people who figure they can end their life when they're sick of it. They don't want to suffer when they're ill, so they, they want to end their lives. And they see no purpose in life anymore if they have to suffer. But it was no, not that way in the beginning when God made Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve didn't say, I didn't ask for this life. No, they enjoyed the life God gave them. They rejoiced in God's beautiful creation. They were happy with their task and responsibility toward God in the world. Life was good, and they thanked God constantly for the life he had given them and continued to give them. They saw their lives as a gift from God. They basked in God's love and they loved him in return. That's how we have to confess God today to congregation. The catechism teaches us to speak about God like that in the first place. God the Father in our creation. That's actually a, a thankful and joyful confession that God the Father made us as his children, that he wants to be our Father and wants to live in a relationship of love with us, that he wants to take care of us as our perfect father. That's a wonderful confession in itself already, but it becomes even more beautiful because as you know, in the beginning, we turned away from God the Father in Adam. We took off, didn't want to be his children anymore, didn't rejoice in our heavenly Father's love any longer. We saw it as restrictive, and the result of that was, that was actually the result of the hateful words of the devil, because he pushed himself between God and us, and he made God look bad. He said, God's not a loving father, but a tyrannical dictator. He said, God didn't love us, just wanted to use us. And we believed the devil in Adam. We believed the devil. And so many today still believe him. And sometimes we believe him yet too, don't we? And the devil wants nothing else than that we believe him and that we take off from God again and reject him as our loving father. How can he be your loving father if you are going through this? But God wants to be our Father. He told us that, promised us that, proved that beyond any doubt even, in that he was willing to give his one and only eternal Son, willing to give him up for us, to make us his children again. Children whom he could love and who could then also learn to love him in return. And that's perfect Fatherly love, isn't it? He wants us to enjoy complete salvation and to bask in his love forever. And that brings us to the second point. Our salvation is also assured by the love of God the Son. So we've already mentioned God the Son. We confess in Lord's Day 8, God the Son in our redemption. To redeem something is to buy it back. 
As we mentioned already, God the Father wanted us as his children again. Even though we rejected his fatherly love and gave ourselves over to somebody else, to Satan. And he sent the second person of the Trinity, his one and only and eternal son, to this earth, this tiny planet in the whole universe he created, to this earth to become mortal man, a little speck of dust here on this planet, in order to redeem sinners, to bear our punishment for sin, and to restore us to him. What did the son think of that? Being sent to this earth to become puny little man like us, even mortal man, in order to die for us. Did he think it was, was a pain that he had to leave his father's side? Did he complain that he had to humble himself and become the least of all men in order to restore people to God the Father? To bring children to him, back to him? Not in the least, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. He didn't hate to do that at all. He wanted to do it. He loved to do it. It was his deep desire to become man, to humble himself even to an accursed death on a cross because he knew why this was necessary for us, for you and me. He, he knew it was the only way to restore runaways like you and me to the Father and to his love again. And that's expressed beautifully in that well-known passage. I'm sure you know it. Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul urges the church members to be affectionate towards one another as Christ was toward them. And then he writes there, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, the most accursed death there was. And you think about that, that's incredible love, congregation. Love for people who had become sinners, who had rejected God. Love for me and for you. That's what brought God the Son to do what he did. A man will give his life for his friend, but for sinners like you and me, he did. He wanted nothing except what his father wanted, so he loved his father. His heart was one with his father's heart, and he loved us with the same love with which the father loved us. And that's why he says in John 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And we read something similar in John 14 earlier on. The God the Son says there, verse 31, that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Father and Son, completely unified in love for each other and then together in love for us. 
How do you respond? How can you not respond to that kind of love? And so it was Jesus Christ's purpose as Son of God to redeem us by giving himself completely for us, to buy us back. That's how he saves us who were enemies of God the Father from sin and death and destruction. That's stated so clearly in Romans 5. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What love on the part of God the Father to send his one and only Son for sinners. And what love on the part of God the Son to give his holy life for sinners like us. Actually, that love is even more incomprehensible than this, the Trinity itself. There's no way you can get your mind around that kind of love. Paul says something like that in Romans 5 too. He says, you might even be able to understand that someone would be willing to die for a righteous or a good man, but to give your life for died in the wool sinners, that's inconceivable incomprehensible and that's why for example God the Son instituted the Lord's Supper just as certainly as you eat the bread and drink the wine so certainly did I love you and give my life for the complete forgiveness of all your sins and there's nothing the Son of God wants more for you and me to believe it and to confess it to confess that that love, nothing more that your Savior wants, catechism students, that you come to profess your faith and love for Him. Then you, you come to profess your faith and love and to be able to receive the signs and seals and the assurance of His love for you at the, at the Lord's Supper then it's just like a couple in love, right? They want to reassure each other of their love for one another. And they want to do that time and again. See, congregation, we sometimes have our doubts whether we're so loved by God, don't we? Especially, you know, when we deal with hard situations or when we're, we're hardened in a, in a certain sin and we... We just can't let that go. How can God love me? But we don't have to just wallow in those doubts and fears. Just be busy with the gospel of the love of God the Son for us. Meditate about what he did for us while we were still sinners. And use the sacraments he gave to reassure us of his love for us personally. The more we concentrate on those things, the more certain we can become of the love of God the Father and the love of God the Son for us too. And how does that come about in us? How can you fall in love with God the Son and God the Father? That happens through the love of God the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon. Our salvation is assured by the love of God, the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, in this life, it's always going to be hard to believe God the Father's love for us. That's just the kind of people we are. 
to believe, it's hard to believe that we really have been provided with a complete redemption through the love of God the Son. A complete salvation. All finished. It becomes hard for us to believe that. And that has to do with the activities of the devil. Because he wants to sow doubt in us all the time. Uncertainty, which often finds good soil in our hearts and lives. After all, what the devil whispers in our hearts often seems so believable. The devil is so logical. What he says sounds so right. And congregation, we end up with difficult circumstances and then we question God the Father's love for us. How can that be? And then we fall into the same sin over and over again and we question whether there's still forgiveness for us. Can't be. We doubt the love of God the Father and the Son and the devil loves to rub our faces in our sins especially and he says, look, that's just the facts, man. That's the kind of person you are. You're not going to change. Forget it. Not for you. How can God love you if you have to deal with this? But beloved, the devil is such a liar, the father of lies from the beginning. His word contradicts God's word. For the Bible, God's word is truth. It's full of the revelation of God's love for sinners like you and me. And God the Father made us in love. And after our fall into sin, he came and sought us out in his love. Adam, where are you? He knew what Adam and Eve had done and he could have left them in their misery. He did not. He called for them and he promised them the love of God the Son. The head of the serpent would be crushed. He would send his son to redeem sinners. And that's exactly what happened. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his one and only son to save sinners. And the Bible is then full of the love of God the Son to the cross. That one great proclamation of the love of God for us poor miserable sinners. But it takes a lot to convince sinners like us to accept that love. It takes a lot. Because we, we just have stories about God in the Bible. And those stories sometimes so easily contradict what we feel or think. And we so easily fall into using the sacraments out of custom. But God, the Father, and the Son, they know how weak we are in ourselves. And God, the Son, knows the danger the devil presents for us too. He was tempted too, remember? That's why God the Father and the Son together send the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, here to this earth to live in us, to live in us. The Lord Jesus said, John 14, verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide in you forever, the Spirit of truth. And that's how the Father and the Son together, as he says in, in John 14, want to live in us be in you. And the beautiful thing is, the helper, 
the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, allowed himself to be sent by God the Father and God the Son into hearts of people here so that they believe, are willing to accept that love. He came with power at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit counsels and comforts us with the truth of the gospel. He has pity on us in his love for us. The Holy Spirit counsels us. And not only by letting us hear the gospel, but especially opening our hearts to receive that gospel. He comes and lives in us. And then he teaches us to say, Abba, Father. Gives us growing faith. Faith that finds more and more joy with God's love. Faith that comes to deeds of love. As the Lord Jesus Christ says, John 14, verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And that's then evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in you and is at work in you too then in his love when your desire is to love God the Father and the Son. When your desire is to do what God the Father and the Son command you to do, then you're temple of the Holy Spirit and he lives in you and in love for you, he works out your sanctification in you. He wants it to make it so that you take that full redemption worked out by God the Father and the Son and himself, the Holy Spirit. So he sanctifies, and that full sanctification takes place when we leave this life, when we die in the Lord. Then the Spirit's work in us will be finished. Then sin is left behind, and you will know God as you were known by him. Then you'll know the full extent the full, broad extent, the height, the depth, the breadth of the triune God's love for you. Love of the Father, love of the Son, and love of the Holy Spirit. And you'll never, ever get finished praising that love because then you'll be able to love as you were loved. Amen.